Hi, you're tuned to 90.7 FM, KALX Berkeley. I'm Andrew Sainting, and this is The Graduates, the interview talk show where we speak to UC Berkeley graduate students about their work here on campus and around the world. Today, I'm joined by Tara Lapore from the Department of Integrative Biology and B. Fedragon from the School of Information. They're both members and leaders of Queer Grads, and we're going to talk more about that organization in a second, but I want to start by talking about their research. So welcome to the show, Tara. Yeah, thanks so much, Andrew. Uh, yeah, so I'm Tara Lapore. Um, my pronouns are she or they, and I'm a third-year PhD candidate in Leslie Alusco's lab in the Department of Integrative Biology. And my work has sort of two buckets that I put it in. One is paleobiology research that focuses on dental metabolic signatures. In particular, I'm really interested in trying to slice up fossil teeth and modern mammal teeth and try and take a look at what their teeth can kind of tell us about their life history and their metabolism. So that's one thing that really interests me. And then the other bucket is disability perception in STEM, especially in in biology or paleobiology, more specifically college courses. So how do we open more doors for disabled folks and also just shared disabled perspectives? So I'm really interested in that as well. So, okay. So you study teeth and then you also study education. So did you come into the program that you started knowing that you were going to do both of those parts of research? Yeah, I was really hopeful coming in that I'd be able to find a way to fit some kind of science education research into what I do here. Before I came to Cal, I was a high school science teacher for about seven years. So it's sort of been an interest of mine for a really long time. But uh, when I ended up talking with Leslie uh, as a prospective advisor, things really solidified. And I realized that I could try to incorporate something like science ed into, into my paleobiology work and make that a part of my dissertation. So really excited. The research you do on teeth and the research you do on education, are they related because they're both kind of focused on paleobiology or, or is the teeth like very central to the education part too. I'd love to do more paleobiology education around teeth. And I've done a tiny bit so far. There was a program here in March, 2020, like just before the pandemic really hit called Expanding Your Horizons. And it's a program trying to get female identifying young women and girls into STEM-based careers and just boost their interest in in science. And so I did a a program about uh, teeth and kind of hands-on teeth artwork stuff, uh, sliced up teeth and artwork with them. But so far, the disability perception project is kind of in its own kind of arena. And I'm just really interested and fascinated by both of these types of topics. So hopeful for the future for other ways of doing outreach with teeth, but the disability perception is just really near and dear to my heart. I also identify as disabled. So it's really um, important to me just to get a sense of how we teach about disability and what people think about disability, especially in science. So I'm really interested in uh, all of your research, but I I just feel like I need to also bring B right now into the conversation because it seems like funny yeah. to, have all, <laughs> to just have us talking while B is here. So let's go ahead and get oh, yeah. introduced as well. Um, so B, could you also uh, introduce yourself briefly and give us a little rundown of your research and then maybe we, and we can come back to Tara's research and 
kind of have a more open discussion where it's not just one, one-on-one. I'll just say that B is awesome. So I'm excited to hear what B is up to as well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, for sure. I can introduce myself. So yeah, my name is B Fadjigan. I use she, her pronouns, School of Information, studying a master's of information management systems. And for the past two to three years, I've been doing research on how queer people of color use technology to cope with stigma specifically. I My undergrad was in psychology and I was interested in the stigma side of it. And now I'm in graduate school to kind of explore the more technology side of it. Um, And it was an exploratory study that came out of a summer research program that I did. Um, They're wonderful, the iSchool Inclusion Institute. Um, And they work with underrepresented groups to kind of get them into research um, in grad school. And yeah, through them, I was able to work with um, a couple other researchers across the nation. And we did an exploratory study that found that this specific community, queer people of color, use technology for various different reasons, including connecting with their own community, communicating stuff about their identity with others, so exploring their own gender and sexual identity and also distraction and escapism from offline things that might happen to them, like the stigma that happens offline. And they use a variety of different tools for that. So far, we found tools such as Instagram, Reddit, Twitter, typical social media stuff. But we also found that um, this community also enjoys to use video games, like online video games and chatting to communicate with others. And so this research, you were doing uh, interviews with people to understand how they actually use this technology. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did um, qualitative work doing semi-structured interviews where I came up with the protocol and conducted the interviews myself. Is that like what the information is? Is that what the School of Information kind of does like collect information, I guess, from people based on their responses to things? Yeah. So the school information is pretty interdisciplinary and my program is pretty interdisciplinary. So I focus on qualitative work, whereas some people in my program might be doing data science where they do quantitative research like surveys um, and do a lot of statistical analyses on those. And yeah, information uh, the school of information just kind of works with all the different ways to gather, organize, and disseminate information. So how people perceive it, how people understand it, um, and what are the venues that people get information, for example. So people from my program come from so many different backgrounds where they might be more technically based, such as having computer science. But like I said, I came from like a psychology background. Okay. And so you both come from like pretty... I guess I didn't mention much about, or we didn't talk much about like integrated biology, but I guess I've been hosting this show for a while. So I assume people have been listening to this under, know the department because I've talked about the department a lot. But so you both come from departments that are um, pretty broad in what they cover. Do you think you were both drawn to like departments that kind of have broad umbrellas of what they cover? Maybe I'll, I'll start with Tara for this and then we can add, and then we can get these thoughts. Uh yeah, for me personally, I think having the flexibility to explore different topics within biology and or biology education was really appealing to me. Recognizing that biology education often will have its own department in other universities and schools of teaching and learning and things like that. Um, and even here on campus, we also have a, a science education PhD program. So it's its, its own world. But I really enjoy in integrative biology that I can uh, walk down the hall or, you know, get in contact with a, a neighbor in the department. And, you know, there's there are people who are working on just vastly different things. And it really helps me as a biologist and also just 
in terms of thinking about audience and who we reach as educators that like there's so many different ways of looking at science and so many different ways of looking at like bringing our personal experiences into the work that we do so yeah that's that was appealing to me um it's pretty flexible in ib in terms of what we can do and where our interests can take us and b is that is that similar to what drew you to the school of information yeah, I mean, I like the broad aspect of it, but I think a difference between me and Tara is that I'm doing a master's. I believe you're doing a PhD, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm doing a master's, and this kind of allows me to explore my options more coming from a psychology side as well. Um, and what I enjoy about the broadness of the School of Information is being able to um, use my psychology background to understand, like, how people understand uh, information, how they communicate it with others. And so that that's why I enjoy the broadness of it. And also the fact that there's so many technical aspects coming with like new technology and how Berkeley is really innovative in that sense. And then so both of you kind of seem to have research interests that are very like personal to you um, based on your descriptions of your research. And I was wondering, was that like very essential? Do you think like your research had to somewhat uh, involve your own identity? Does that motivate you more to like really get into the questions? And do you think it would be, you would be less motivated if you didn't have that personal connection to your research? Why don't we start with B for this one? Yeah, my research does connect with me personally since I identify as a queer person of color, but it doesn't necessarily have to uh, intersect with my identity. I think in general, what motivates me the most is doing research for social good or social justice. So um, last semester in my qualitative research class, I did an ethnography on Filipino activism on campus here. And even though that still does intersect with my identity, I'm open to any, yeah, any research project that does work towards social justice and social good as long as my passion will continue. Yeah, I think that it's really interesting to bring our personal perspectives to whatever work we do, whether it's science or some other topic. For me personally, I think that my identity as a a queer and disabled person, I can't extricate it from the work that I do. Like it informs my perspective on everything and So I don't know if I would be more or less like motivated to do the work that I do. I I just can't imagine not doing the work that I do with this perspective of queerness and disability identity. So for me, it's, it, it, I guess it matters less that the work is about disability or that, you know, we'll probably talk in a little bit about queer grads as a student group, like what drove me to try to help with that group you know, yeah, sure, there's some personal motivation to be like, yeah, I really want to find find out what is going on in what I consider my communities. But I I, I can't, you know, I, I just, I think with the, for example, with the fossil teeth, there is that personal queer science perspective that will come into the discussion of whatever I do in science. But it doesn't necessarily mean that like, there's going to be a lot of overt discussion of queer identity within that those chapters if that makes sense so there's a little bit of identity that i can't separate from and then motivation which i think is there but it's not for me the driving factor i think i'd agree with me that there is a there is more of a social justice and kind of 
motivation based on personal identity that's tied up together. Was that like a weird question? I don't know. Like, is that? No, no, I don't think it's weird. I think that it's good that we can talk about identity versus motivation versus, you know, what is the work that we do based on? Right. I don't think I don't, I don't think it's weird. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's weird either. Um, it kind of allowed me to reflect on some readings I've done about like the view from nowhere or like perspectives, like point perspectives where your identity does affect everything you do, um, whether that your identity is a queer person, whether you're like a cis male, like it does affect everything you do and it does inform that. So just doing more research on your community is impactful, but generally doing more research as you identify will impact that general field. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's just good to have these kinds of conversations on what motivates us to do the work that we do. Is it championing something or is it more of a factor of, you know, like, like what came first, the research work that we want to do that's in a field that we identify as, or do we simply identify as that? And that's going to inform everything else that we do. And I think it's more of the latter. Why don't we start talking about the organization, Queer Grads? And I guess the best thing to do would be to briefly introduce it and say what purpose it fills, who's involved in it. Do do one of you want to take the lead on being the first to introduce it? Yeah, I have the website open, so that might be helpful. I was basically just going to go off of like the mission statement. (laughs) Yeah, so if you don't mind, I'll go ahead. So one of our co-leaders went ahead and made a website for us. And so our mission is, you know, Queer Grads is a student organization that aims to provide a community for LGBTQIA plus graduate students in all academic disciplines on the Cal campus. Uh, And the main goals are to really act as a source of information with referrals and aid and navigating university services for the community, and also to provide an arena for activism, discussion, and social networking. So I think providing information plus the social and finding um, like-minded folks is uh, an important aspect too. Yeah, I think right now leadership, there's about four of us. um, And, you know, as graduate student life goes, busyness. So we do our best to kind of come up with events and build a community. How do you build the community through and is it through the events and like what kind of events do you organize? I don't know if you have more to speak on this, but since I'm fairly new, all I know is that uh, this semester and last semester we had a hiking event where we just hiked up to Big C. Um, Since I was new here, I wanted to check that out and just did that with a bunch of other queer grads. And then today we had a picnic. We were just sitting on faculty glade and talking to each other. And it was a, we all introduced each other in our departments. And it was just nice knowing that other queer grads existed. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I'd add to that is last summer, um, summer 2021, we We also had a get together where we met at the downtown Berkeley BART station and all went down to the Castro in San Francisco and did a little walking and hiking and got ice cream. And it was just fun to connect with other folks and, and actually see some like landmarks of queer history in San Francisco. So that was cool. Before you started grad school, did you like expect to see this kind of organization you know I think of like grad school everyone just kind of like 
doing their research and like, you know, undergrad is where you have clubs and stuff. Uh, is it like surprising to be in grad school and be part of this kind of organization? Or is this kind of like what you expected um, coming into grad school? Yeah. So actually when I was first coming to, it might've been, it was either interview weekend or it was, it might've been like the orientation weekend when I got here, actually moved here. I definitely got a flyer among my materials from queer grads. And so that was really cool. Like I just left it on my desk and I said, that's cool. Maybe someday I'll go to more events, but it made me feel really comfortable knowing that that was already a group that was there. And um, that I, I, I knew at that point, at least one other person who was a member of it. And it was just like, Oh, great. Like this is a community that already exists. And somebody else had thought of this idea and it's just really nice to, to know that, that there was already an interest. So that, that, that was like, yeah, that made me really happy. B, did you find out before you got to campus about the community or similar experience to Tara? Yeah. So I didn't know that queer grads existed or there would be any queer resources for graduate students before coming to Berkeley. I didn't really research it because I knew generally coming from the East Coast that like California, Bay Area, Berkeley was generally more accepting to queer people. So um, I was I was like, all right, I'll just come here. I'm sure I'll find something. And I didn't even find out about queer grads until maybe like a month or two into the semester um, when my friend Jane, who is also in the School of Information and also a leader in queer grads, she introduced me to queer grads and now I'm here and now I'm leading and I'm enjoying it thoroughly. We've kind of established that you both have pretty int- different research interests or you're in different schools. So is, is the, the program, you said it's for all grad students. So is it, do you meet a lot of people in lots of different programs through this organization? Yeah, just at the picnic that we were at, when people introduce themselves, they introduce their name, pronouns, and their department or what they're studying. It seemed like the majority of them are master's students, but there were a couple other PhD students. And it was just really interesting to see how the different fields were. There was someone from optometry, someone from Haas, I think, and some other people from transportation. I don't know if that's an actual the like field here but yeah that's what they study yeah and I think I remember from the event we held at the Castro last summer that we we even had one person who was a recent alum and was still getting emails and was like oh yeah I'll join so the hope is that I think going forward if we can create some kind of longevity and just understand like the history of this group. I know it's been around for at least the last five years, but I don't know other than that um, because there's never been a dedicated website, but we're just really thinking, I think forward, uh, forward thinking about this kind of organization and, and kind of what, what having that record can, can do to help help it survive and help it um, maintain this longevity. One of our co-leaders, Aoi Furukawa, has been really, really instrumental in trying to um, build some of that that visibility. So I think it's going in a really good direction. Um, What kinds of things do you do to build visibility? Well, starting with the website, which is pretty recent, that's brand new. And then just in terms of every couple of months or so, we have an email blast that goes out that we kind of jokingly call the queer agenda. And so that just kind of gives people an update on what's going on. Having a community, I think, is really important. So just just the fact that the name that we all have together as leaders of this is the gaggle, 
which is kind of another silly thing, but it's, you know, we're the gaggle. And so the leaders of queer grads have this sort of sense of community as well. And, and then other members of queer grads, we just really want them to feel welcome. So beyond the email blasts, I know that we're thinking about doing more on social media. We're mostly on Facebook right now. And there may have been attempts to do that in the past, but I'm not 100% sure. So I think we're at this crossroads of like trying to spearhead more visibility, but also taking stock of like, what do we already do? What did people do in the past with queer grads and who started it? And so if any of our listeners, I guess, know the history of queer grads, I just know the person that I kind of talk to to come into this position, but I don't know anyone beyond that. So yeah, one project that I'm working on this semester that we kind of, um, I got the inspiration for when we had a gaggle meeting, um, since I personally like to do documentaries on my research so that it's more accessible to the public. Um, I'm working with GenEC to get some funding or get some uh, platform visibility to tell the story of what it's like to be a queer grad student. And that's something that I'm still working on and still writing like a general script or storyboard for. But that's another project to kind of increase community and visibility of queer graduate students. That's, mm, that's so cool. Yeah. You do like documentary work on all of the research you do or try to? Uh, try to. Yeah. I yeah. Try to. That's so cool. Like, do you, so what does that entail? Like, so you mentioned that your research is like interviewing. How do you incorporate documentary work into that? Yeah, so my um, minor in my undergrad was film and media studies, where I learned I took a documentary making class. So in order to protect research like participants, I asked permission to record, and I just generally use voiceovers and use B film, um, and just take free for use film online and put that over to communicate a story of what I'm trying to say with my research. And that's so yeah, that's so great that you can kind of bring your what you do with your research into this organization. Do you, do you find that um, a lot of your leadership uh, is able to kind of use skills they build from grad school, from their research in promoting? Does everyone kind of bring in their own um, expertise uh, in the gaggle meetings and things like that? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I think out of the four of us right now that are pretty active, Three of us are in the School of Information um, in like different fields um, also. So I, I do think that we use our expertise with that. Um, and yeah, Tara has been great with uh, writing the queer agenda and sending it out. <laughs> yeah, I think we have a really good team and just just good people trying to share community together and let other folks know who are on the LGBTQI like plus spectrum that there is community here. And I think you mentioned earlier, Andrew, that, you know, sometimes grad school can feel like you just get into your lane and you just do your work and it can be kind of isolating. So um, one of the ways that hopefully we can break down more of that isolation is just letting people know that there is a queer community here and we sometimes do fun stuff and <laughs> go wander around random parts of San Francisco and, <laughs> and eat food. <laughs> You mentioned uh, that you don't, you like are part of this organization in your leadership, but you kind of like have limited knowledge of its history. Yeah, that's such an interesting aspect of like grad school organizations. Do you really tend to think about like legacy when you think about what you want to do? Like you, are you always thinking about like who's going to be next to take over or is this um, 
something that you kind of like are just kind of working on in the moment and you just want to make sure that you have the have what I guess you already addressed this with your uh, forward thinking, but I don't know. I'm just part of the, I, I do the Berkeley science review. I do this magazine. Um, and I, right now I'm the editor in chief of that. And I just am constantly thinking about like, Oh man, we need to get more grad students in or otherwise there's not going to be a Berkeley science review. Um, so I was wondering like how much that factors into your, what you think about with the organization, like trying to make sure that somebody will be there to continue it after you, you know, graduate because grad school is, by necessity, something temporary. Is it out of style to quote Hamilton right now? Like, what is the legacy? It's planting seeds in a garden you never get to see, you know? But um, really, I, I think coming into an organization um, and trying to figure out like who's doing what where and when there isn't a great deal of overlap or really any overlap because folks do leave and then it's like, will you do this? Okay, and now you're the only leaders which is totally fine and totally expected. You know, I think it's, it's right now, it seems like there's sort of a, a, a lot of energy and excitement to try and figure out where do we go from here? And then really go, going from there in my, from my perspective, you know, I'll be here for at least another three years as of this recording. And, you know, but will I, will I be part of queer grads the whole time? I don't know, but really having that capability to pass the baton to whoever is next um, is really important there, there. I'll just say one last thing. There is a Google doc that has kind of a list of who is currently the leadership liaison group and a number of contacts in different departments that, that we try to keep updated. And so that was one of the big projects of some of the former uh, leaders of queer grads, which is super, super helpful. But yeah, just kind of going from there, I think each new leadership group is probably going to reinvent things a little bit more. Do you have any other thoughts? I'm, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I think for me, that's something I'm learning to navigate now since I'm a first year um, master's student. And in my undergrad, I started my own like queer organization for queer Asian Americans since that was, there wasn't a space for that. And what I did in my undergrad was to really try to build a foundation that could be sustainable. Um, and that involved creating Google Drives of like yearly events that we had and people to contact to and reach out to for support that like longer lasting staff that would be there. And I think while I'm here, since this is just a two-year program um, and with my position at the Gender Equity Resource Center, that's something I'm still trying to navigate and figure out now to kind of figure out how to build like a plan or a structure and foundation to have it continue um, to keep going semesters forward, even if I won't be here anymore. Whether or not that means it's some years are active or dormant, um, just make sure that the information exists somewhere and the foundation exists somewhere that people can access. I think that is my um, goal while I'm here. Did you all want to have like specific information conveyed about queer grads that we haven't? I just want to make sure that we're covering anything that you wanted to use this interview to cover? I think the two biggest things for for me, and, and B, you may have other things to add, of course, too. I'm just thinking, um, number one, we have a Facebook group. So if people are on Facebook, totally understand if you're not. But if you are, um, just search uh, Cal Queer Grads on Facebook and we'll come up. The other thing is, too, if you go on Cal Link, the website where all of the registered student organizations are, the RSOs, and just search queer grads, then you can sign up on there and that'll get you hooked up with our mailing list. So you can get the queer agenda and other announcements. 
And just generally letting grad students know or reminding them that, you know, RSOs do exist for grad students and that, you know, we think we have fun. And hopefully if you think that you want to join us and hang out with some fun and interesting people on the queer spectrum, um, we'd be totally happy to meet you. We're trying to really build community more in terms of casual communication rather than over formal um, emails or listservs. And I think um, one last thing to mention, too, is that whether or not graduate programs know about queer grads existing, it's important that like queer resources do exist with the Gender Equity Resource Center and they can help point you to the right direction um, and to the right community. Even if you walk in and there's a bunch of undergrads there, there are staff members dedicated to help you out, no matter if you're faculty, staff, graduate student, or undergrad. If folks want access to the Discord channel, if they go to CalLink and sign up for the email announcements, again, that's just through CalLink, searching for queer grads, then they'll get the, the email announcements through the queer agenda and be able to, um, we're making the Discord link part of our regular rotation of emails that we send out. So yeah, um, we hope that folks will be able to find community with us. And and yeah, B, you bring up a great point. Like GenEC is also an amazing resource. And I just want to emphasize again that these resources are for everyone. And as a grad student RSO, you know, helping grad students in particular try to find community is really important. And by the way, even if you don't identify as LGBTQIA, you're still welcome at Queer Grads. Um, we definitely welcome anyone um, across the spectrum and otherwise, and just would love to see folks join us and, and help us build community. Today, we've been talking to the Fadrigon and Tara Lepore. Both are leaders of the Berkeley RSO Queer Grads, um, which provides community for queer students, uh, queer grad students on Berkeley's campus. I wish we had had more time to talk to um, both of them about their research because both sound um, super interesting. But thanks so much for being on the show, Tara and B. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. Thanks, B. Yeah, thanks so much. <laughs> uh, tune in in two weeks for the next episode of The Graduates.